0: Good afternoon. We're on. It's good to be here with you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. I was looking up to see if my name... Hey, it's spelled right. That's good. That's a good start. Steve, you pronounce my name better than I do. I appreciate that. That was good. Thanks, brother. Uh, but but truly, it's a joy and honor for me to be here uh, this afternoon with you. Uh, I'm thankful that as a network, we have set the Muslim world as one of our key uh, three gospel priority areas. Because in order for us to be faithful to the Great Commission and to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel, we must consider Islam. For the time that I have uh, today with you, I want to point out two main challenges as we think about reaching Muslims. Uh, mention a few things that we should be celebrating as a church and, and as a network. And then consider together the great need... In the Muslim world. But before I do that, let me introduce myself briefly. My name is Marwan Abouzolof, and I'm the planting pastor of City Bible Church in Beirut, Lebanon. I was born in Kuwait to a Lebanese and Palestinian father, and my mother is Chaldean, uh, one of of the people groups in Iraq. I spent the first seven years of my life in Kuwait, and then my family and I ended up in uh, the United States uh, in 1990 as a result of the Gulf War. And I spent most of my life there in San Diego. Uh, That's why I don't have the accent maybe some of you expected to hear from me. Uh, It it was in the States that I first heard the gospel and the the Lord was kind to save me at a young age. During my time in college, uh, after hearing that so many Christians have left the Middle East over the generations, they've left because of war, because of persecutions, it became clear to me that God was calling me back into the region. My wife and I moved to the Middle East 5 years ago and we planted the church at uh, the beginning of last year. So we're just over just under a year and a half old as a church. And I absolutely love Beirut. I love the rich culture. It's one of the greatest places to live if you're a foodie. I love that the city is is dirty and gritty and I love that there are people everywhere. I think the stats are that it's twice the population density of New York City. I think most of all, I love that it's both an ancient and a modern place. You know, one of the things that I find fascinating about Lebanon is that Jesus himself preached the gospel in my country. It's one of my favorite stories. It's recorded in Mark 7 and Matthew 15. It's of the Syrophoenician mother who is persistent in asking Jesus to heal her daughter. And we all know this story. She asks Jesus for his help, and at first he ignores her. She she asks again, then he explains to her, I I didn't come here for you. She's persistent. She she asks him, then he tells her, it isn't right to take the children's food and to give it to the dogs. Then she responds, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. He, He looked at her. He looked to his disciples and he said, great faith. This, this miracle happened about an hour's drive from where we planted our church. Both from Christ himself and from his earliest disciples, some of the first people who heard and believed in the gospel were in Lebanon. After moving to Lebanon, I learned that the first church was planted in Beirut in the year 66. That's, that's so long ago. You have to start off by saying, in the year. <laughs> right? One of the 72 disciples that Jesus sent out planted the church there. And he is remembered as the first bishop of Beirut, Quartus of Berytus. And you can look him up in, in Romans chapter 16. He's mentioned there. You know, I am humbled as a church planter uh, and and excited to think of the rich uh, Christian history in Lebanon. But even though some of the first fruits of the gospel were planted and they grew in Lebanon, for the most part, the gospel has been lost. This brings us to our first challenge as, as we think together what it will take for us to reach Muslims. The first challenge is that the indigenous Christian community continues To leave the Middle East. Many have left because of wars, because of persecution. Many left for better opportunities in the West. Some of your countries have more Lebanese than in Lebanon. To my Brazilian brothers and sisters, there are twice as many Lebanese in Brazil that there are in Lebanon. I don't know if you knew that. In Lebanon, in the last 100 years, the number of people who identify as Christians dropped by 50%. Friends, the Christian church was birthed in the Middle East 600 years before Islam came onto the scene. And yet in some ways the church is in decline and Islam is growing. And yes, We know that Islam is growing through conversions and through births. But part of the reason of the decline of the church is that the presence of weak and false gospels is rising within the church. You know, Lebanon boasts the highest percentage of Christians in the region at 40%. But less than 1% believe in salvation by grace through faith. Let's bring this to our second challenge as we consider reaching Muslims. Islam is no longer a regional religion. It's not an Arab religion. Yes, Islam began in the Middle East. and, And yes, most Arabs are Muslims. Yes, the Quran was originally written in Arabic, but through the centuries, Islam has spread to nearly every nation on earth. Listen with me to some of these numbers. A fourth of the world's population are Muslim, and a third of those Muslims are in South Asian countries. There are 50 countries where the majority religion is Islam, and only 13 of those are in the Middle East. What this means is that for us to reach Muslims, we'll have to go to Asian cities, to African villages, and to American suburbs. We'll be dealing with some of the richest people in the world, and and also the poorest. Those who are highly educated, and an incredible number of those who are illiterate. Cultural Muslims. Radical Muslims will, will can encounter folk Islam and, and lots of mysticism. Some places are closed and dangerous, others are open and welcoming. Many Muslims have lived much of their lives in times of war, and yet others have only known peace. You see, we're not after one people group when we think of Islam. We're not talking about learning a few languages and translating a few resources, sending a few people to a certain country or another country. Maybe some of you feel a bit overwhelmed at the task before us. I know we felt some of those emotions as we moved to Beirut, trying to consider how are we going to address all of the problems and all of the needs in our city. But we found our rest and our hope in a gospel that has the power to save everyone. We rejoice as those who love and trust in the sovereignty of God that he will call his people to himself. Let me share with you a few things that we can be celebrating right now. because, Because friends, Christ is building his church. There are more Muslims that have come to faith in the last few generations than the previous 1,300 years. That's the case in Iran. Did you know that the fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran? 20 years ago, it was reported that there might be between 3,000 to 4,000 believers. Now today, the most conservative number is 150,000, but the average estimate is, is around a million There's a movement of house churches, yeah, praise God, in in the country. Friends, God is drawing people to himself. There are endless stories of Muslims having dreams about Jesus and about the Bible. And and when when they have these dreams, they go out looking for someone to explain to them those dreams. One of my favorite stories to tell is of the first trip we took to explore opportunities to uh, plant a church in Beirut. Uh, Walid, a brother in the faith who's in his 70s, was driving us around in his taxi. On the back windshield, it said, Walid's taxi, taking you from here to eternity. <laughs> yeah, right, terrifying. <laughs> it is absolutely terrifying. And that has nothing to do with his age driving that car. Brother, I just need you to take me from one part of town to the other. <laughs> Tell me about eternity, encourage me, but don't take me there, please. Not in this old car. <laughs> on the back, uh, and actually all around his car, he had, he had signs printed out that said free Bibles, of course, in, in written in Arabic. And while we were driving the highway, uh, about 50 miles an hour, a car started honking and, and pulled up pretty close to us. He pointed at the sign. He he wanted a free Bible. And so I remember reaching out from the box by by my my feet and I handed it to to our pastor who was with us in the front uh, passenger seat. The car pulled up, still driving pretty quickly, and we handed him a Bible on the highway. (laughs) I I couldn't believe it. I I have spent years doing evangelism and and passing out Bibles and tracts and no one has ever come after me (laughs) asking for a Bible. Now, we know that no one searches after God. And so when someone is, it must mean that God is working in their lives. Friends, God is working powerfully in the Muslim world. In many ways, though, the situation is the same as it was in Jesus' day. The harvest is plentiful. And the laborers are few. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to push back a bit at Jesus's words. I don't know what that means for our membership uh, as a church in Acts twenty nine. But I'm going to a bit because in our day and in some places the primary issue isn't that there aren't enough laborers. Some places there are a ton of laborers. The primary issue is often what they're doing. Now one of the biggest threats to the spread of the gospel isn't just the preaching of a weak or false gospel, but the full, but that the full gospel isn't preached what it means to truly follow after christ is never taught there are many groups that are well funded who are all about conversions get them saved by hook or by crook you see while many laborers are running under the banner of the great commission they've filtered it down into nothing more than a good suggestion that's open to interpretation The Great Commission is often a compromised commission because it's absent of the local church. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This call isn't to make converts, but to make disciples. Brothers and sisters, this is a call to plant churches. Because it's within the local church that we see baptism and discipleship taking place. I know that there are many ways to fight lostness in this world, but God's regular means of making himself known is through the local church. And so the great need in the Muslim world isn't only for the true gospel to be preached, but for true churches to be planted. Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, Because we as a global family are doing this very thing. In the cultural heart of Islam, we are seeing the church multiply. And we need to keep on planting churches that plant churches because this is how we will reach the Muslim world. This is how we will penetrate the darkness of Islam. Now, churches will surely look different in different places. Some will will gather in a home. Some may meet under a tree. Some may be secret meetings. Others may be public and officially recognized like our church is. But it needs to happen through the local church. And I love that this is one of our distinctives as Acts 29. The local church as God's primary mission strategy. Friends, I don't know all that it will take from us. I don't know what sacrifices will be required of us. I don't know how long it will take and I don't know how much time we have. But I know we must press on. I know we need to pray. I know that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and is with us. I know that it will be worth it. And I know that the lamb that was slain deserves the reward of his suffering. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we we thank you for the work that you are doing in building your kingdom. And Father, we just pray that you would continue to do the work that only you can do. Thank you for the opportunity that you would call us in and invite us to join you in this incredible work. We pray, Father God, make Christ known where he isn't known. Be glorified because you alone are worthy of all honor and all praise. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.